0: Mm-hmm. Hey, hey into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host JR and with me today I have two awesome guests. I have Justin from the Bucky Report to talk through some Wisconsin basketball and the rest of the Big Ten with us and I also have Mike from the Nebraska Shootaround. That's right, we have a guest from a Nebraska basketball (laughs) podcast. I found them, they're out there and you can find them too on YouTube. They're a great podcast. I love listening to those guys Uh, but first we're going to introduce Justin. He's going to tell you where you can find him at and uh, listen to the bucky report go ahead justin
1: yeah you can check us out at just at the bucky report on twitter x whatever you want to call it at this point uh email us at the report at gmail.com and that's pretty much it you can find us at any any place on podcast or on uh, youtube under just the bucky report there we go. And the Bucky
0: Report, I know, is uh hopping right now with the huge win they had over Marquette. So we're gonna get into that a little bit later. It's awesome. And Mike, go on and tell people about you or where they can find you at.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh we're I'm from the Scarlet Shoot Around podcast. As you had mentioned, we cover Nebraska basketball. You can find us twitter x whatever you want to call it yeah scarlet shoot around pod i think is our handle there and then
0: anywhere you find your podcast
2: as well as youtube at scarlet shoot around podcast so
0: there we go, Scarlet Around Podcast. Go check them out. Uh, a lot of good Nebraska basketball content over there. All right, uh, before we get into it, do you want to remind you, we are brought to you by Big Bantam Sports, com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs. In addition to that, please do like and subscribe to this video. It, we appreciate that. And if you're listening on podcast, give us a rating as well. That also helps us out. And, you know, tell us why you gave us the rating you gave us. Somebody gave us a two-star rating the other day. That's all they gave us. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> Let me know why we're two stars. I'd like to improve a little bit. So uh, let us know. We appreciate that. And If it's five stars, just say, good job. All right. That's all we need there. So, all right. Well, let's get into it, guys. Huge win for Northwestern. They did the same thing last year at Northwestern. Purdue falls 92 to 88. This was a big win. Zach Eady and Braden Smith, all those guys, they fought hard. but, um, But at the end of the day, Boo -boo Booey and his arsenal were
1: just too much. (laughs) Justin, what were your thoughts on this game? He made some incredible shots, and they were not – like they were unconventional shots looking at him. Like there were a couple times he was really off balance and he was still able to put it down. And Boo -boo Booey just put on a show in that one. Um, You know, I think this is going to be the the story with Purdue all season long is they're going to struggle with teams with good backcourts because while their backcourt is improved over last year, they still do not have guys who can really check a dynamic playmaker at the guard position. And Edie can only do so much. You still have to set him up to be successful.
0: And he can only pass so well too. That was another Mm -hmm. thing I noticed with Northwestern was, you know, Edie was, he was trying to make good passes, but at the end of the day that Nebraska defense was just suffocating not only to him, but the guards as well. It was just a really tough, tough matchup for them. And they played with their hair on fire all game, massive Mm -hmm. credit to them. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts? yeah
2: i know a lot of people like to talk about it when it comes to march specifically about guard play and how far it can take you but i think this just goes to show even in i guess december now um same thing can happen i mean if you have good guard play you got guys that can fill up the bucket you can beat anybody and i think northwestern showed that
0: yeah for sure and i think you know Braden smith and fletcher lawyer in this game 12 and 17 you know that that's what you want um but six turnovers for Braden Smith, you know? I mean, I was talking about him earlier in the year on this podcast, talking about, you know, hey, his turnovers are up a little bit more, but his assists are also up. I mean, when you only have uh, one assist by Fletcher Lawyer but two turnovers that's just that, that's not going to cut it yes yes Braden mm-hmm. Smith had nine assists but at what cost was six turnovers mm-hmm. in this game um, I, I do still have concerns about Purdue I think they're improving I don't think they're the same team they were last mm-hmm. year uh, but it does give me concern I saw some Purdue fans uh, saying fire Matt Painter um, <laughs> I don't think that's your
2: answer no. guys
1: personally definitely not
2: I, I know. I was gonna say. I think Nebraska would happily
0: take him if, if they yeah. Yeah. Get yeah no kidding. Hands, so. And then
1: suddenly you'll start sprouting up seven foot three guys. Nebraska. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think they just had like a seven three guy sign the other day or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean Zach Eady he went fifteen for twenty from the free throw line. Uh, he got seventeen shots off. Fletcher Lur he honestly didn't do bad shooting the three three of five. At the end of the day, it was just a shootout. Northwestern got the turnovers mm-hmm. they needed to get, and they scored. Off of them. Well, um y- y- Justin, you tell me, what does this say about this Northwestern team? Are we maybe thinking they're a little bit better than maybe we went into the year with them losing some key players, but Boo Booy is still there? What are your thoughts?
1: I think as long as you have a guy like that in your roster, you have a chance. And I actually think Collins is a pretty solid coach. So I expect them to be a problem. I don't know if I'm putting them at the top of the league, but I think they're gonna be a team that you have to be locked in to play against or they will sneak up on you and take you down. So it wouldn't shock me if they end up being the the top half of the league. And I think that if you don't come in locked into that game, there definitely are a team that can take you down and make you pay for it.
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, Mike, in this game, the uh, Purdue had, what was it? 52 rebounds total. Northwestern had 27 rebounds total. I mean, if you when you nearly double the other team's total rebounds, you shouldn't be able to win. How how did Northwestern manage to get this win with so few rebounds?
2: Yeah, I think the key is if you're if you're looking at the box score and how the game ended up, I Northwestern shot 50% from 3, they went 10 for 20. If you have that type of shooting night, if you're going 50% behind the arc, you can lose on the glass like that. I mean, that's a big margin. That's why the game went to OT. Um, ending up like that, you know, a massive margin like that. But if if free, if um the three point shots not there for Northwestern, I don't think there's a there's a sh- chance that they win this game. But mm-hmm. they had a great shooting night and then they pulled them through.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Purdue's, th- their defense was running around the entire game, too. I think another key for them was how Northwestern was able to stretch the floor. Even Nicholson, who isn't, you know, the best three-point shooter in the world, he actually didn't even take a single three this game, but he was able to maneuver around the court with Zach Eady on him, but still get open, make the things happen that needed to happen. Um, and, of course, he only played 12 minutes in this game, but when he was in there, he played well. I thought Purdue had a far bigger rotation than what they needed to mason Gillis got 30 or 29 minutes so you know you, he was the one that, but go ahead Justin.
1: yeah i was gonna say he was the guy that honestly he was the the forgotten man in this game he played heavy minutes and really wasn't overly productive and kind of look at that and it's like that's you can't have a dead spot on the court and a game like this that's the difference
0: no, I agree, and that, that was what I was going to get to next. You know, when you play nearly 30 minutes a game and you only provide four points, I mean you just have to be a massive defensive you know mm-hmm. person to be able to play th- nearly 30 minutes and only get four points. But that's my concern with Mason Gillis. if he's not out there and producing and stretching the floor like he needs to be, I mean he's had games where he just hit a bunch of threes, and that's awesome. but if he's not able to do that, I don't know how much he offers to this team. Am I off there, Mike?
2: No, I agree. I mean, he only attempted two shots the whole game. I see he had six rebounds, but no assists, no steals. So, yeah, I guess you, you scratch your head and kind of wonder what he did provide in those nearly 30 minutes. I didn't get to watch the game, so maybe he was helping, you know, stretch the floor or what have you. Um, things that don't show up in the box score. But um, like you said, kind of the forgotten man, it's, its it didn't look like a great night for him. And if you're if you're putting in that much time, I think you uh, you need to help out the team a little bit more than what he did
0: yeah I agree and I think I think langborg has been this this catalyst for Northwestern that they need mm-hmm. obviously boo Booey is the catalyst that really mm-hmm. makes everything work, but he needs that right hand man uh like an Adige was last year, and I yeah. just didn't know who that was going to be this year for Northwestern. I thought maybe Barnheiser, which Barnheiser has been fantastic this season too. We only had eight points in this game, but he was still somebody that was able to make plays. Only one turnover he had four fouls. So, but when you go up against Zach Eady, that's going to mm-hmm. happen. He's going to get tw- 10 to yeah. 20 to sometimes 30 free throws. A game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just got to rotate guys in there, but yeah. uh Northwestern, they had two guys foul out in this game. Um Justin, Do you have any thoughts about officiating Zach Eady and whether this game was fair, how that goes, just gauge you not only on this game, but just in general officiating Zach Eady.
1: I'm a strong proponent of it's his job to adjust to everyone else rather than the the refs adjusting to him. Like you can't let him just abuse other people because he's bigger. He's got to learn to find a way to be as productive as everybody else on the court without fouling. And he does like, he's, You watch some of it. There was a couple of his dunks that I'm watching and he's just throwing his body into him. Like, what do you do with that as a defender? You have good position and he basically just shoves you out of the way. I'm like, that's like brother ball in the, in the, you know, front yard playing and you're just shoving your little brother out of the way and just throwing a layup. And it's like, I mean, that's kind of an offensive foul. Like there's only so much you can do if you're going to body up like that now. I you have to let him play to an extent, but we've seen so many times where elbows get hit, you know, guys get drilled in the face. And it's like it's his job to kind of learn to play around people without doing that. If somebody takes an elbow in the face, I have that's got to be called an offensive follow in my book, like whether it's inadvertent or not.
0: Well, some of that's just the size of who Mm he is, you know, I mean, part of it, too. I was when I was watching the game, I was thinking to myself. Like Zach Eady goes up for a rebound. He's boxed out, but he still gets higher. Than yeah. You. Is that an over the back? Is that like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to call that yeah. if I'm the ref. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that, Mike?
2: Yeah. And I, that's, I know we'll get into the Creighton game a little later. They had a seven, one guy that was playing center tonight. And yeah, they just go up and grab the rebound over a guy. I know I was screaming, particularly in the first half of the game, a little <laughs> closer um, than what it ended up being screaming for some over the backs, but yeah. If, if the dude's long enough, I, I don't know how you judge that as a ref. I know mm. me personally, I think I agree with Justin. I think it's kind of their responsibility to learn to play around the guys without just resorting to bully ball. Maybe that's the little brother in me uh, coming out. But, um, yeah. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like watching like prime shack or something where the dude's yeah. just bigger and stronger than everyone. And, and I, I don't know what you're supposed to do as a defender, which I mm. guess credit to him for being born with the genetics to be a, that massive (laughs) and athletic but um maybe a little more finesse is what i'd like to see personally and and maybe a little bit tighter calling um Mm -hmm. on the refs for for making him you know perform that way
0: yeah and it's so different to see how he gets called from from game to game because right when you get into the big 10 it's like you almost let anything go because they, mm-hmm. you know, they almost seem like yeah. they're used to calling him. But when you get into the tournament or even when you watched him in the Maui earlier this season, you know, it was a bit more ticky tack than maybe you see mm-hmm. uh, at other mm-hmm. times. So, all right, good discussion there, guys, about Northwestern and Purdue. Uh, let's move on to Wisconsin and marquette so marquette comes into madison wisconsin the badgers take it to him beat number 3 marquette 75 to 64 justin what were the thoughts on your badgers
1: honestly i've had good thoughts about this wisconsin team since basically tennessee i they've been very efficient offensively even though they haven't shot super well and the rebounding numbers and defensive metrics have really picked up since providence so basically the way I look at this team is you have five, six guys overall on the team that are capable of giving you double digits in any given game. And it makes them incredibly difficult to defend. And that kind of played out again in this one where you look at it, you had four starters with double digits and the fifth guy had nine. So you look at it and it's, it's it's kind of pick your poison with Wisconsin this year. There's nobody that's going to go off for 30 points, but there's a bunch of guys that can get you 15. And if you're going to start, trying to take away one thing, you're probably going to get burned somewhere else because each of the guys is capable of, while they're not all capable of scoring from all over the court, they're capable of getting to their spots and getting themselves good shots.
0: You know, who is capable of scoring all over the court, is Max Clesby. I mean, <laughs> five for ten in this one, 21 points. I was astounded. And Marquette just had no answer for him. He was just Ooh. roaming around the three-point arc. It seemed like he was able to do whatever he wanted. He had that what one shot within the within the arc. So he did he, he did get one that was not a three-pointer. But um, I mean, the dude was he he was just outstanding in the game, able to hit every shot, do everything. Um, and I think Chucky Hepburn is actually starting to play the way that Chucky Hepburn Wants to play? I think that's huge. He is not yeah. asked to be this guy that he is not naturally going to be. Justin, any anyway, thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's one of the bigger takeaways that I've had coming into the season. I did not like it last year, and and I think that unfairly, and and even from from my perspective, I probably was a little harder on him than I should have been. I really don't like step back threes because I think to me it's it's not a high percentage shot. And if you're in the NBA and you're a guy who is just a a freak show, like, you know, Steph Curry or something like that, go ahead, throw it up. It's probably, you're probably 40% even on that shot, but in college it's such a dead shot normally. And it's, it's just puts you in a bind overall in terms of your offensive sets because people get really stagnant and don't do a whole lot. Chucky has been incredible. And and actually this game, I actually had him as my player of the game. And a big part of it was playing a guy like Kolek, you're really afraid that your point guard is going to try to go toe to toe with him and try playing the same way and playing a game of one up. Chucky didn't do that. He just kept the control of the game and kind of kept leaning on him and let Marquette make the mistakes in this one. And it was so, it, it was huge for them in the second half when Marquette made their run. His ability to kind of keep them just kind of towing the line and keep doing the same thing and stay locked in. Don't try to do too much.
0: Yeah, Detman made a really good point here. Madison is a tough place to play football and basketball, and it's true. I mean, you, you get in there to Madison, and the crowds are just uh, – the crowds. The fans are just crazy. It's always a big crowd. Uh Credit to those fans because they do make it a really, really tough place to play. Mike, what were some of your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, I'm, I think the big standout to me is just the the talent from – wisconsin's starting five i i I, they played a vast majority of the minutes maybe they're not the deepest team in the league but that's a starting five i think that can go toe to toe with anybody um you know you mentioned anybody's viable to go off for double digits you already mentioned four of them did go off for double digit points this game um it's it's a team that they're really well-rounded i know um It's tough to see Chucky Hepburn, you know, as a guy (laughs) from Nebraska balling out in Wisconsin, but it's good to see that. Glad for him. Glad for the Badgers. It's a massive win, obviously. Marquette's a really, really solid squad. Um, Glad one team got to win a in-state rivalry game Mm -hmm. this weekend.
0: So, we'll we'll get to yours next. Don't worry, (laughs) Uh, Justin. Just a quick, a couple quick questions, gauging your thoughts on some of these players, Uh, Connor Sejan. Only three minutes. He hasn't seemed to be the guy this season that I think some people were expecting him to be when we did our preview. Like we were expecting really big things mm. from Connor Asiedu in this game, being a big six man, um, and not just this game, but you know he just hasn't seemed to be that guy this season. What are some of your thoughts on Connor Asiedu?
1: Sure. Uh, off the start from this one, there are a couple of things that reasons why I think this is happening. Number one, Connor had somebody come down on him in like the I think the Tennessee game early on in that game, somebody came down on his back and basically bent him in half. And he was kind of banged up after that for the the last four or five games. Um, He seems to be struggling to kind of get back in the rolling on this. And he's a guy who, if we're being honest, he's more of an outside threat. He's a guy who, from an offensive perspective, is not necessarily somebody who's a three-level scorer. So if he's not shooting well, He's not necessarily a guy who, who creates a lot on the court for your team, other than to be a guy who's going to potentially cause some gravity from the defensive standpoint. Uh, the bigger part of this, I think is John Blackwell off the bench has been uh, incredible as a, a first year player plays super under control. He is. He got a couple of early fouls in the Marquette game, so he didn't play as much as he had earlier, but he has been, he looks like a guy who's going to be an all conference type player in a couple of years. Um, more athletic than we expected. He's very – his understanding of how to play the game in terms of being under control and taking what's there and only taking the shots that are, are smart shots is well ahead of his time. And because of that, he's been a guy that was in double digits, I think, prior to this one, like the last four games before that. I think he'd been in double digits every game. So he's kind of been stealing it because he's not only – and a very effective scorer at all three levels, but he's also a guy who's a really good defender, and that's what he came in as, somebody who they thought was going to be a defensive presence right off the bat, and that would be where he'd steal minutes.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I, I that was another guy I was going to ask you about was Blackwell, mm-hmm. because I feel like he as a freshman that we didn't really uh, mm-hmm. expect to be able to make the, the, the impact that he's making for his team. When we mm-hmm. did our top five list of freshmen earlier in the season or uh, at the beginning of the season, he was one that I thought of, but I was like, no, I think there's some other guys, mm-hmm. but he's really proved himself to be uh, a big freshman and very impactful for this team this, mm-hmm. this year. So, all right, let's move on to Creighton and Nebraska. This was a big <laughs> game for Nebraska. They were seven and zero. It was kind of like that test game to see, you know, can they can they play well and can they keep keep it close? Um, you know, I think Nebraska was respectable at the at times. You know, I think they they played well, but at the end of the day, Creighton came in and and, and they just really took it to them and, and kind of showed us that yes, Nebraska was seven and zero. They did a really good job beating the teams they should beat. Um, but at the end of the day, Creighton's still the better team in this scenario. Mike, what were some of your thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, frankly, Creighton was the better team today. They're the better team probably about 99% of the time. That's It's a really good squad, and it pains me to say that as a Nebraska basketball fan, obviously, but um, it's it's a really solid team. Obviously, they're returning a lot of guys. They went to the Elite Eight last year. They they got a ton of experience. They got five guys that can shoot the three, so it makes defense for Nebraska pretty tough, and they did shoot a lot of threes today,
1: actually. <laughs> I think they put um, up 40, I think, didn't they? <laughs> Like 40. fourteen, they for shot they shot
2: fourteen for forty, yeah, yeah, as opposed to uh, two two for twenty two for Nebraska. Still, uh, what is that a forty two to six edge for Creighton on three point you know yeah, points? Cool. Um, so that that was tough. I think the big big takeaway for me is kind of um, I think it was a little little disappointing from our front court. I know Josiah Alec and Rink Mast and um, them guys. I think you know, I think. Uh, Josiah Alec ended up taking as many threes as Casey Tominaga, which is not – I'm sure that probably Mm -hmm. wasn't in the game plan for us. So I think Creighton did a great job forcing um, Nebraska into uncomfortable positions, things they didn't want to do where not so much on the other end. Nebraska um, were a big help defense, and I think Creighton was able to utilize that, pass out of that, pass the ball around the three-point arc and get some good looks, and and they made them today. Whereas last year when we beat them, they didn't quite fill up the bucket like they did today.
0: So. Mm Yeah, yeah no, for sure. I think that shows the discipline of this Creighton team to be able to uh see the help defense and make those decisions that they need to make and i think I think this is obviously a bummer for Nebraska, but I do think things are looking up for them. You know, Fred Hoiberg obviously is, is is struggling, uh, you know, with with some of his perception uh, at the end of last season, but he was able to help that out and he's helping that out by continuing to win to start this season. So we'll see where that goes. But at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at this game and say this defines Nebraska this season. I think they're a better team than we thought going on Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you have any more thoughts on, on Fred Hoiberg and just like the perception of this team this season, Mike?
2: Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. This isn't a season defining loss by any means. Obviously, um, you'd love to love to get a big statement win like this, but there's a whole conference slate ahead Mm -hmm. with a conference that is definitely looking. I know start of the season was looking kind of shaky, but now there's been some pretty big wins around the conference from, you know, Ohio State and Wisconsin and kind of proving that the Big Ten's a pretty, pretty solid conference. So there's a whole conference slate ahead. Uh, Tough loss as it is. I think Fred Hoiberg, me personally, Uh, It kind of depends who you ask. I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I think he's, this is finally kind of the first year where he's kind of getting a group of guys that are kind of the type of guys that he wants to play with. Uh, We have more shooters this year. We don't have to play. I mean, last year was really nitty gritty, really defensive playing outside. in. I think we want to play a little more or inside out last year. Excuse me. I think typically we want to play more outside in, shoot more threes, kind of get out and run the ball a little bit faster, a little bit quicker pace. So I think this is the first year I think um, I'm excited about what the Huskers are doing. I think definitely looking up this year, they were 7-0 for the first time since I think it was 1992-93. Obviously, maybe not playing the best opponents, but to win the games you're supposed to win isn't something that we've seen out of Huskers in a long time. So just to see that is is really promising. Excited to see what they can do in in the conference this year for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot to say about winning the games you're supposed to win. And mm-hmm. they did beat an Oregon State team. I know Oregon State's not the best team out there, but that's still, you know, an upper level team that they're able to beat and take care of business there. Uh, but you're right. It's so hard to play outside in when you're shooting two for 22 mm-hmm. yeah. in the game. Yeah. I mean, that just disrupts your entire offense, and you really have no answer to do anything else. Uh, Justin, what were your thoughts about Nebraska in this game? And maybe just kind of like your overall thoughts this season?
1: Sure. Well, Tamanaga is a guy who. Torched us last year a couple of times, and it's this this was one seeing him not go off once was interesting. Um,
0: he's still at twenty yeah, yeah no kidding
1: uh he but did not hit from outside, like I know the game against Wisconsin last uh-huh. year he absolutely was hitting bombs left and right um so the big takeaway that I had from this one was outside shooting was just Nebraska. Just struggled from deep and it really put them in a bind. You know, you're, you don't really have a, a go to inside scorer at this point. And if you don't have that, it can be really tough to kind of get generate offense if you're just not able to, unless you have guys that can, are really good at attacking the rim.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think Tabanaga has to be that guy who leads Mm -hmm. the outside shooting and, Mm -hmm. and really leads the team and being able to make it work. Uh, but, but he is still young and it's hard to put all of this weight on him. He has a bright future. Obviously, he's played nationally and done all these things. But at the end of the day, you know, this is still a kid and he still has to be able to make those things happen and I think Fred Hoiberg's coaching will help him be able to develop uh, Mm -hmm. and get there to where the team needs to be Uh, Mike before we move on I've been very impressed with rink mast this season Uh, obviously he didn't have the game he hoped to have in this Mm -hmm. one but Mm -hmm. just kind of give us some of your thoughts on him in this game and just overall this season
2: yeah I know Justin was talking about not necessarily having that guy on the inside you can go to I think rink has kind of provided that through the first seven games he didn't have like you said the greater showing today um being having to have a big guy that's able to kind of bully ball a little bit inside Mm -hmm. when those shots aren't landing i think he's got a pretty diverse post game he's got a good good you know set of moves he can use down there he's also able to stretch the three i think it brings a lot to the team i think Mm he might be the biggest i think maybe bryce williams is vying for that but the biggest addition to these teams are definitely Rick Mast and bryce williams i think mast is definitely bringing something the huskers needed um mm. for the for this year for this team um I, I think he's gonna have a rebound game i hope against minnesota here on wednesday so we'll see he had a tough night shooting i mean he went three for 11 he only went one for five from three so pretty pretty rough outing i mean you can say that about most huskers today but it's definitely a guy to keep an eye on i've been very impressed by him this year for sure
0: Speaking of Minnesota, that's where we'll go next. Cause we have Ohio state against Minnesota earlier today. I think they tipped like just like three hours ago. So game ended just about an hour ago in this one, Ohio state wins 84 to 74. I think the story of this game was Ohio state just wasn't able to pull ahead. Like they wanted to, they were playing very well, but Minnesota just felt like every single time had, had a way to stay within 10 points. stay right there. I, I don't think they were ever really like making Ohio state scared, uh, like they were going to come back or anything. But, But they just they kind of kept hanging around, kept being there just close enough to make sure Ohio State couldn't take their starters out or anything. Uh, And Jamison Battle got to come back after he was the villain last year. He was waving to the crowd. uh, you know. (laughs) He was uh, after Minnesota beat him. And now he's back here playing against Minnesota. You know, and a lot of the same guys were were on this roster. Dawson Garcia, Ben Johnson still coaching that kind of stuff. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts on the Buckeyes versus the Gophers in this one?
2: Yeah, like you said, I think the, the fact that they're unable to pull away, I know Ohio State's been looking really good these last couple of weeks. Uh, for Minnesota to stick around, I don't know if that says more about Minnesota or Ohio State. I think Minnesota's kind of a scrappy team. I, I know they're going to give you their best. Uh, Garcia, with 25 field, you know, shot attempts today for 36 points. That's mm. incredible. Obviously, a guy you're going to have to key in on if you're if you're going up against them. Um as you mentioned, battle four for six from three, seven for twelve from the field, twenty-five points. Um Ohio State had, you know, 25 points, 26 points from Thornton there. So uh pretty, pretty impressed by what the Buckeyes have done the last couple of weeks. I know they shot almost the 53% from Beyond the Arc. So great shooting night as far as that goes. So um I'm I'm impressed by what Ohio State's
0: been showing recently for sure. Well, they showed that guard duo that we've been talking about mm-hmm. that we really need. Mm-hmm. Bruce Thornton, I, he just has a score first mentality that, that that is kind of surprising to me. We didn't really see it last season, I he still had five assists in this game, so it's not like he you know is only thinking to score and doesn't want to pass. But he just gets the ball, and it's like if the rim is there, he's taking it. He, he he's going to get to the rim, he's going to make it happen, uh, and he can even shoot from the outside a little bit. One for three in this game, not bad. Uh, enough to keep the defense honest. Justin, what were some of your thoughts on the Buckeyes and the Gophers in this? One,
1: yeah, a big one for me was if you look at this game, the Buckeyes just the outside shooting for them was such a huge factor. I mean, over 50% from three, they were good from the free throw line 23 28, and you know, they're almost 50% shooting overall. So, this team they played pretty efficient. I mean, that's just gonna be really tough for another team to be able to take them down, even with a guy like Garcia going off for what he did in this game. And I just think that Minnesota is one of those teams that's still kind of trying to build with ben johnson there and trying to get a talent base in that they feel comfortable and confident with they have they were kind of a rough in a rough shape coming into his time as coach and it's going to take them a little bit i think to kind of put together the talent base that they need in order to be really able to compete in the big 10
0: I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Ohio State's version of Mason Gillis with Evan Mahaffey. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure this dude out, guys. Zero points, 22 (laughs) minutes, but he's out there with six rebounds, three assists, three steals. I mean, the dude is all over the place, but he also has two turnovers. Um I don't know what to make of this kid. I, I, he's like a glue guy, but at the same yeah. time, you can't really rely on him for anything offensively. Um, it, it's, it's baffling to me what he's able to do on the floor and how he's able to make this offense stick. At some point, at some mm-hmm. point, somebody is going to have to say, Mahafi, just shoot. You know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to double team Bruce Thornton. We're going to yeah. double team Zed Key and Philo Paul, all these guys just shoot we're not even going to start guarding you um do, do you see that happening soon mike
2: yeah i think if if you're an opposing head coach you got to start looking at the film and and kind of making that adjustment and yeah you got to be leaving him open if i always say if you're that wide open if there's there's probably a good reason you're that wide open mm-hmm. and they want you to take that shot but i think he's going to have to start shooting the ball and, and, and making the shots and prove that he can, or else that's gonna make it a lot hard on those other guys to keep doing what they're doing. The defense is gonna start sagging off. Yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for for the other buckeyes if, if he doesn't start, you know, producing some on the even if it's a drive and and get a foul, get a whistle, get some free throws. Um just just something to to be productive on the offensive end yeah, yeah for
0: sure. Uh, go
1: ahead justin i was gonna say you you can't play four on five it's it's borderline yeah. impossible and unless you have ultra efficient players at other positions it's so hard to have that extra guy who's able to kind of roam and help um wisconsin deal dealt with it a lot last year with carter gilmore who was a guy that he does some really nice things from an energy standpoint but you don't want him taking shots and when he's out on the court teams acknowledge that and they just would say oh, if you put him on the three-point line if you can't hit threes, then, then the defenders basically yeah. below the three below the free throw line, and it's like you have an extra post defender. Then, like that makes things so much more complicated from a, an offensive standpoint at that point.
0: The one thing I will say about it is that I do feel like Chris Holtman is doing a good job of minimizing that because he's not leaving Evan Mahaffey in there for you know, eight, 10-minute long sure. stretches. He's he's putting him in, letting him play his defensive plays, and bringing him out, which you don't normally do with a guy because they have to get into rhythm and play mm-hmm. offense. But if you never get yeah. into <laughs> rhythm and play if offense. If you don't <laughs> have to do that, yeah. Exactly. Just go ahead and guard the guy. So, um, it, it, It's very interesting to me, and I think it could be one of their weaknesses spots going forward. Um, But Chris Holtman, I mean, in this game, he put his bench... You know, where he wanted them. 15 minutes Ed Key, 16 minutes Scotty Middleton, 15 minutes Dale Bonner. Uh Devin Royal had two minutes as well, but they are starting to get the rotation that I think they want. No s Chapman. This is kind of what I expected from Scotty Middleton coming in. I don't think he's the most talented freshman, but he has the skill set that they need to mm-hmm. be kind of that three and D guy. Uh he was two for three from a three point arc, so he obviously helped with what you guys were talking about there. Um Justin. Is there anything that we can take from this this guard duo of Ohio State and say there's something that's going to stop them eventually? There's something that defenses can do and stop this because, I mean, they combine for 44 in this game. Any guard duo that does that is going to be really hard to stop.
1: Yeah. I mean, the big thing is going to be just if you can keep penetration away and force them to shoot from the outside, that's going to be with any guard duo is to try and force them to take long distance shots. You hope that they just aren't hitting them at that point. Um, better defensive teams are going to be better on that. They're going to they're close out strong, and they're going to be able to hopefully stay in front of you or at least help if you get by somebody. And if you can do that, you can hopefully minimize it, but you're, you're probably not going to be able to just stop them outright. You're going to have to try and just minimize as much as you can and at least make it hard for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mike, if you had to think of one or two teams in the Big Ten that would be able to, to best do that, kind of be the strongest defensive battle for Ohio State and these guys, who would be two or three teams in the Big Ten that you would say uh, they, they could possibly win that battle?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you look at, I mean, obviously a team that's uh, super athletic, like a Michigan state, they always got the guys that can close out. They always got freak athletes that can do, um, you know, that type of, that type of task. I think Illinois has one of the best defenses in the country at this point, they're, they're going to be able to, to, to clamp those guys down you would think, and then obviously, you know, produce a solid squad. Their defense is going to be good, but a team that I kind of want to give a shout out to is Rutgers. I think they've been very impressive on the defensive end so far this year. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to completely stop the Ohio State guards from doing what they want to do. But as Justin had said, you got to you kind of mitigate it, try to make somebody else kind of beat you. And st- you know, if they're going to get there 10 to 15, that's so, so be mm-hmm. it. But for someone else to, you know, make up that difference instead of giving up 20 points to those guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's going to be the key is making somebody else on this offense beat you, whether it's Zed Key, whether it's Felix Okpara. Uh, but that's the huge thing with a guy like Jameson Battle. I think he was one of the best transfer additions in the Big Ten. I think there were obviously other very good ones as well, but he was one of the best, not from like a skill point but just like what the team needed mm-hmm. to be able to do what they're doing so don't sleep on the Buckeyes this season I think the Gophers played a good game I think they're better than maybe their record will indicate at the end of the year uh, but don't sleep on the Buckeyes they could if they don't have their January slump where they leave <laughs> like eight or ten in a row uh, they, they could be pretty scary so uh, before we do move on I want to remind you about CBB analytics CBB analytics gives us a free pro tier to tell you about them every single basketball episode so check out CBB analytics they have free stuff for you it's really good stuff they track everything they have tons of game recaps if you ever miss a game go to their game recaps they have so much information helps you feel like you actually did watch the game know what's going on and at the end of the day you will be a smarter basketball fan for going there so go to cbb analytics see what they got they do awesome work there and maybe think about purchasing a a tier or something like that because they really do help you out a lot there. All right, guys, let's move on to Oregon and Michigan. Uh, Buzzer beater in this one. The hometown kid (laughs) for Oregon made it. um, It it just kind of a heartbreaker for Michigan. Michigan, ever since Juwan Howard has been back, it's just not looked like the same Michigan team. The defense hasn't been there, but the offense hasn't been quite as good as maybe we saw before. Uh, Mike, what are some of your thoughts on Michigan in this game and maybe just in general this season?
2: Yeah, I think Michigan's kind of still holding on to that St. John's win, hoping to find another one here. I mean, they're sitting at four and four right now. It's just been a kind of of a confusing season for me, from, from what I've seen from Michigan. Um, you know, a, a loss to Memphis, a loss to Texas Tech, and now a lot another loss to Oregon. uh It's always it's always tough to to lose on a you know last second buzzer beater three, but. Uh, even without that, you know, it's it's they're gonna go to a second overtime, and and I have just like I said, I'm not sure. I've seen what I need to see from Michigan. I'm just a little confused if if we're talking about guys that are kind of disappearing. You know, Reed Junior. He's playing 21 minutes. He's got no points. Another one of those guys that you're just kind of scratching your head what he's bringing to the team. Um, it, it's a little confusing for me so far. I'm not exactly sure what to expect from Michigan at this point.
0: Go
1: ahead, Jessica. Yeah, I have watched Michigan and uh, you know, as somebody who's had them be one of our rivals over the last couple of years, they for whatever reason, from a, a a mental standpoint, you watch the those old teams that they used to have, the, the final four teams a few years back that seem to really play at a high level and be able to just make smart decisions in the in tight games. This team struggles with some of that stuff, like there's the little things that they just don't do overly well. They have all the talent in the world; they're capable of being a top ten team, but they just make mistakes and things like that 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 keep other teams in games that they shouldn't. And that's it's you look at it, and it's I don't I don't want to bag on the coaching, but it's been kind of a weakness for that team. I think as the coaching staff has has not exactly gotten these guys to buy in and play not only unselfish. There's a lot of iso ball. Like, if you watch this game, who was it? Uh, the, the point guard for Michigan McDaniels, had. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah, yeah. He he was constantly calling people clear outs. And I'm like, this, <laughs> uh, this is a surefire way to get your teammates to basically just stand around and do nothing. You get super stagnant when you have somebody that just wants to start jacking up threes from 25 feet out that's that's a problem they have to figure out a way to play cohesively as a unit and that would make them so much better if they could consistently do that
0: oh and that was a thing when phil martelli was in charge they did have like a more cohesive offense Mm -hmm. going i felt like more guys were touching the ball down the court i felt like doug mcdaniel uh which which, by the way doug mcdaniel is a Amazing yeah. offensive talent. He's a very good I mean, player. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not taking anything away from him. He he deserves to have the ball yeah. in his hand. <laughs> yeah. He gets the ISO ball every single game because mm. he is just that spectacular. Um, but at the end of the day, it, that can't be your only offense. Mm. It reminds me uh, a bit of Ohio State last year with Bryce mm. Sensiball. You know, Bryce mm. was all – all offense, very little defense. I mean, I think Doug McDaniel is not a terrible defender. I don't think he's anything spectacular. I don't know if maybe average, uh, but but he he is just this offensive talent that you kind of, if they're not careful, they're just going to kind of rely on him to be their only offense down the floor every mm-hmm. single time. And that does come back on Jawan mm-hmm. Howard in coaching. Um, Mike, are, are you having the questions about coaching with this Michigan team that we are as well?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, and we're talking about a lot of ISO ball, they, they're actually ranked like 220th. I see right now in assists per field goal made. So plenty of ISO ball that's well below average as far as they're they're like 47% well below average on, you know, assists per, per field goal made. So it, it comes back, like you said, it comes back to coaching. I don't know. I'm not the guy that makes multi million dollar decisions. So I'm not going to be sit here and say uh, what, what the coaches are doing are right or wrong necessarily. But just like I said, a little head scratcher. I want to see a little bit more team ball, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we're just iso ball, and you're going to end up, you know, guys standing around, and then the offense is stagnant, and it's not a good look for anybody. Then, and um, and that's how you get more and more close losses like this. Is if mm-hmm. if guys just aren't touching the ball, aren't being productive on on the offensive end of the floor.
1: One of the other underlying things is. Oregon did a really good job of slipping screens in this one, and they were getting some some nice, easy looks at the rim because you could see it. There's a couple of times in watching this one where the defenders were just getting angry because that the switch would happen at the top, and then they would just not react, and it'd be an easy layup. And it's like, see, this is one of those things. If you want to be a really good defensive team, you have to be more aware of that because that's the one of those things that's going to give easy, hidden points in a game that end up mm. being the difference. Well,
0: cohesion and communication on defense mm-hmm. is so important, and when you're – I don't mean to keep coming back to it, but really, I mean, basketball, the game is all played together. Your defense mm-hmm. and your offense is all played together. You can't go down the floor and play iso ball every single time. I mean, they had 11 assists and 16 turnovers mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah. You can't You can yeah. not sharing mm-hmm. the ball on offense and then come down and play defense and expect to be cohesive and commutative, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. You have to have mm-hmm. some kind of, uh, you know, working together and, and working in a cohesive way. I know I said that word a lot, but it's just what I keep going back to yeah. with this Michigan team is, are they cohesive? Are they working together? Um, I just, I feel like with Juwan Howard's NBA background, I don't know if he is building that with this college team like you need to this is what we see the great college coaches do this is what Mm -hmm. we see a bill self do he takes these amazing players this is what we saw coach k to coach k do is he takes these amazing players who really could just win the game on their own and then he brings them together and says guys you're a team play together and i just don't Mm -hmm. see that with Mm Jawan. um mike if we're being honest here do you think Jawan makes it to the end of the year
2: It, I mean, it depends. I mean, let me look at their schedule real quick. I, I just the the I don't know if they have a whole bunch. Of, I mean, I guess they have Florida in the, in the non-con still. That's a kind of a signature win. They could get. It depends how many kind of signature wins if they get. A, you know, a big win over Purdue Very or something true. like that. But they play Purdue pretty late in the season, and now you're kind of wondering is he going to be around long enough to even see that game. So um, I, I, I think it depends if if they get things righted. Um, I think they I think they definitely as we mentioned have all the talent in the world. So I, I, I think they get it right. And I think they give them a chance to stick it out this year. I'd like to see that. I'm never a fan of, you know, somebody losing their job, but if, if the slide keeps it, you know, they've lost two in a row now, if they go into conference play and they lose three, four five, you know, out of the first, you know, six or seven, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tougher to argue, to keep them around for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that, that, that's what. The hard part is I don't want to see guys get fired either. I especially don't want to see them get fired in the middle of the season because I think that's so hard on the players. But just with mm-hmm. the way that, you know, the coaching carousel works nowadays, if you're mm-hmm. one of the first ones to fire, you're one of the first, the first to ones to have, Yeah, yeah. You know? get Exactly. Like, that's what you want. Uh, we saw it with um, well, it was St. John's and Rick Petino last year. One of the main mm-hmm. reasons they were able to get him is because they let go of, oh, I forget his name. Uh, but the old coach there at St. John's, they were able to let go of him pretty early. They weren't, they weren't making the tournament. They were able to move on from him. And when Rick Petino lost in the first round, you know, kind of the match that needed to happen. So, uh, Justin, you have any thoughts on Jawan Howard and his future?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to depend on what their expectations are for him this season. I would think that they probably, the administration's probably looking for a, you to be you know, top five Big Ten. And I don't know if I see that with them. I think there are a few teams that are really going to be fighting in that area that they are not playing remotely as clean a basketball as right now. And I think it's going to be hard for them. If they start fading into the, the bottom half of the league, I think that that could be what basically costs them at that point. Because if they end up with a, a roughly 500 record or around that area, I think it's going to be hard to to really sell yourself on keeping him. Yeah.
0: Well, the good news for Juwan Howard is that the football team is doing very well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that makes attention. it harder on him. The expectations are so much higher. Yeah, true.
0: Well, yeah. I was going to say, he's ha- he's got some time to right the ship yeah. before Michigan fans are paying too much attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. So, uh, Which maybe they will be with the conference championships over. They will be paying t- more attention to that. Uh, guys, another team that has not really been performing to expectations this season is Maryland. Uh, Kevin Willard is having a hard time. With this offense and Mike Woodson, he's been having a hard time with the defense, but they were able to correct it a little bit. And this one, Indiana was able to beat uh, Maryland 65 to 53. Mike, what were some of your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of what we've come to expect from Maryland here. They shot two for 16 from three. They're been one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country this year. I I just I wonder about them. It's it. I don't know what's going on necessarily in College Park. There, it's it's not looking too hot for me. Uh, I think it's a big win for for Indiana. You know, it's a tight win. It's always. I mean, it wasn't a tight win. They won by twelve, but tight win as far as it's a conference game. Um, start the conference off right against. You know, everyone's going to bring their first, their best in that first conference game. So, um, I, I I love it from the, for the Hoosiers. They're six and one. You know, kind of where they want to be. Uh, looking better. It's just a head scratcher for me of what's going on for the Terrapins. I mean, just the three point shooting has just been so poor this year. Um, I just I'm wondering what's going on with them.
0: What's kind of crazy is that IU shot three for nine, so they only (laughs) got one more three. But you know, to their credit, they were like, "Hey, why keep shooting if we're not going to make it?" You know. So, uh, Justin, what were some of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, the big overwhelming thing for me is if you look at it. Maryland was just bad shooting overall in this game. They're only 35% from the field. And then you look at the rebound, rebounding, Indiana killed them on the board. So it was 46 to 30 rebounding. And those two things coupled together are going to make it really difficult for you to be able to stay in a game. Um, likely, that was probably the difference in this one was effectively they just didn't shoot well enough in order to be able to overcome the rebounding difference.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's huge for Maryland because Maryland has a lot of good guard play with Jameer Young to be able to make things happen. But if you're not able to battle down low and get the rebounds and do those kind of things, it kind of minimizes Jameer Young in, in, in a few different ways. I I kind of had a lot of hope for Julian Reese going into uh, this season. It, 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 <laughs> I thought he was good last year. I don't think he was anything spectacular, but I thought you mm-hmm. saw a lot of bright spots. We saw somebody who could come in and do some good things, and he's still doing good things this season. But I just, I don't want to question his toughness because that's obviously mm-hmm. not my place, but he doesn't look like he is excelling down low against some of okay. these bigger guys like, like maybe we'd expect him to. Do you have any thoughts on that, Justin?
1: Yeah, I look at him and he's a guy who I think is a good athlete, but I had questioned his skill level. I'm not sure he's a guy who's necessarily capable of just kind of putting a guy in a blender down on the block and making it complicated and being able to really attack them. And I think that's what makes it difficult because he's, he's got a nice little jump hook, but other than that, he really doesn't have a lot of go-to moves to be able to get himself easy shots. And if you're physical with him and kind of can create some distance down there, we've seen it as Wisconsin, as a Wisconsin fan watching Crowell for us. He's a guy who, when you push him away watching him turn over his shoulder and throw a 10-foot hook shot, I'm like, you're driving me nuts. You're way too far <laughs> out. Stop taking that shot. Like, if you're within five, six feet, go ahead. Take it every time. But you're 10 feet out. That becomes a lot less high percentage. I'm like, and that's kind of the thing you see with some of these guys. They they know they, they want to take a shot, but they don't understand how to necessarily put the defender in an awkward position where they get themselves a clean, easy look. And it's one of the things Edie's so good at because he's able to just basically – Body you until he gets you exactly where you want to.
0: Well, when you just throw the ball down, <laughs> yeah, every yeah,
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> like your
0: hook shot is six feet out, and you're just like, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got the Fisher Price hoop. He's just yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And the other guys look like yeah yeah, 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 so. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Mike, I want to go to you about Kale Ware because Kale Ware was a bit of a question going into the season and he gave Julian Reese all he could handle in this one, stretching the floor. He hit, uh, one three pointer in this one, only attempted one, but he hit one three pointer in this one, had 14 rebounds, t- uh, 18 points. I mean, Kale Ware has surprised me with how. Mike Woodson has been able to get so much out of him. I still don't see a fire out of him that maybe I would like to see, but he just, he might not be one of those guys speak on maybe a little bit of what he's been this season and how important he will be to the Hoosiers going forward.
2: Yeah. I haven't had it. I mean, it's everyone wants to talk about big 10 ball and how important it is to have a big guy down low. Um, it's it's crazy important I think to to for him to provide that, as you mentioned one for one from three, if he's gonna be able to stretch the floor like that that that's huge um i like you said kind of a question mark coming in the season what we're gonna see from him. I've been thoroughly impressed so far you know he's he's averaging you know, what it's like seven eight nine rebounds a game now he's seventeen points he's almost averaging a double double he's been very impressive for me um i I just i I don't know, like you said, the fire, but like you said, maybe he's not one of those guys that comes out and gets hyped up like that. As long as he's cool and collected, if he keeps giving performances, you know, an 18.14 rebound performance, you can be as calm, cool, collected as you want to be. I, it's very impressed from him. I think he's, once he goes against some, maybe, um, some higher tier big, I mean, Zach Eady, guys Mm -hmm. like that, we'll see. I mean, a real big test in that case, but yeah. Um, I'm, I've am i been thoroughly really impressed. I mean, he's a sophomore, he's a young guy. He's got a lot to learn still. I know post, especially post play. It's, it's, it's a lot of finesse, a lot of technique. So, um, love what I'm seeing from him so far for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I was going to say is I'm really excited to see him against Zach Edie because, you know, even though Edie is obviously still bigger and taller and all those things, uh, he just has that length and that wingspan to be able to battle with Zach Eady, Like mm-hmm. some other guys haven't been able to do this season. I'm not saying you leave him one-on-one of on the block and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. let it go, but yeah. he he's more reliable than in his size than maybe some other guys have been. Uh, last question, Justin, before we move on from here. Um, I hate to ask it because I actually love Xavier Johnson. I think Xavier Johnson it ha- plays with a fire that I really appreciate. I think he's a good college player. Um, do you think that this Indiana team might be better with that Xavier Johnson on the floor?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can get you in some – He's if he's hot, he's hot. And if he's not, he can shoot you right out of a game because he – some, you you always see that with certain guys who want to believe in themselves a little too much. They're the heat check guys where it's like, all right, just sometimes less is more and go out there and make the easy plays, get everyone else involved and just take what's there. That's actually when we were talking about Blackwell earlier, that's one of those things where he could, if he could figure out a way to get himself just to take the easy shots that he's able to create, he would probably be so much more efficient and actually help them to become a better team if he would do that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Xavier Johnson is one of those guys that he can bring so much to your team, but he can also take yeah. so much away as well. Because in the middle of the game, everything can be going right for your offense, and then Xavier Johnson just does something that you're like, Why are you going away <laughs> yeah. from this? Come on, just keep doing yeah. what's going right. But then he can also be that guy where it seems like nothing is going right, mm. and then he does something, and you're like, Oh, wow, yeah. okay, that works. That worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, if Gabe Cups was a little little bit older had a little bit more experience i think i might get there uh but i think with with david johnson's experience you got to get him back mm-hmm. on the court as soon as possible so but love what we're seeing from the hoosiers in this one uh and maryland's got to figure something out so <laughs> all right i said we were going to get to him so let's get to him illinois and Rutgers, Rutgers uh loses this one tough game for them illinois wins 76 to 58 obviously was uh, uh you know a tough one for the Rutgers to be able to come out and play this one. Uh, But Illinois, they just got onto a roll and really made things happen. Justin, what were some of your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, Illinois, watching this one a little bit, this Terrence Shannon just, he had a game. Like, he was 8 of 13, 23 points in this one. And the athleticism that Illinois has, if, if they're shooting well, they're going to be a problem for everybody. They defend pretty well. You know, they have a bunch of athletes with plus length on the court that are going to be guys that are going to cause problems for you. They have a, a young big man on that team that seems to be a little bit of a problem, too. They have some bulk in there again. And, you know, I think we all remember Kofi Coburn. You get guys yeah. like that with Illinois. Yeah, It's it's just a problem. Like, you don't want to be dealing with a guy who's got some size and some bulk in the, the lane that's actually has some athleticism. It's much easier if they can't move.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what we wish
1: every big Ooh, man yeah.
0: would not be able to do is move mm-hmm. um mike what what are your thoughts on this one
2: yeah i think my takeaway is i i'd mentioned you asking about you know some good defensive teams that could lock down ohio state and i mentioned illinois that was my takeaway is the the, the defense from illinois holding rutgers to shooting 33 percent from the field I, I, a tough shooting night for rutgers i think that's just speaks to illinois as as Justin has mentioned these the athletes the plus length they're going to get in passing lanes they're, it's going to be a tough contested look no matter where you're at on the court um just v- very impressed by them i think they i after, you know, the feast week with all the Thanksgiving tournaments, I was like, oh, Purdue's going to run away with it. You know, I don't know if anybody, but Illinois is kind of creeping up there for me now. And I think they definitely have a shot to contend with what Purdue's bringing. I, it's a very talented team, very good on the defensive end. And they're going to they're going to make it into a, you know, a, a rock fight every time you play them. It's mm-hmm. And yeah, Shannon, Shannon Jr. Obviously he's averaging like 20 on the year or something like that. You got a guard play like that. It's, it's always going to give you a chance.
1: Such good. So yeah, such good size for a guard too. He's a guy who can be able to bully other guards in the league all year long.
0: Yeah, I mean, in Illinois, they don't really have like a true point guard on this Mm -hmm. team. I mean, maybe Goody, maybe Harmon, but I mean, Terrence Chan Jr., he really is the point guard for Mm -hmm. this team, the primary Mm -hmm. ball handler making things happen. Coleman Hawkins obviously handles the ball some too, but I don't think he's the guy that you want to rely on the entire game to be doing that. Uh, Speaking of Coleman Hawkins, I've said this Illinois team will go as far as Coleman Hawkins takes it because you can have really good Terrence Shannon jr. But if you have really bad Coleman Hawkins, it's really going to take away from them. Uh, Coleman Hawkins only got six points in this game. He did get eight assists. So that's a good, good thing there. Uh, Am I, am I wrong on Coleman Hawkins here? Justin, is there maybe a bit, another part of this team that doesn't need him to be as great. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think if they want to, if you were talking about them to win the league, he has to be an above average player. Like they, they need him to be because he's a guy that can make it complicated for teams based off of his athleticism at that size. He's a guy who can really run. He's a guy who can shoot it from the outside and he doesn't necessarily shoot it at a high percentage consistently, but he's capable of getting hot. And when he gets hot from the outside, when you have a, what is he? Six, eight, six, nine, Mm -hmm. He's a guy who's capable of really causing some problems because you don't have anyone that can defend him. You know, it's one of those things where there's very few big men in this league that are that can really move well at the power forward position. And most of them can't stay in front of him if he gets the ball and go down going downhill in the dribble.
0: And I was surprised that Illinois this season, we're not seeing the Dane Danger experience that I mm-hmm. thought we would see. We're not seeing him down low on the block, making the things happen that need to happen. I mean, I only played eight minutes in this game, and it kind of has been that way from, mm-hmm. from time to time. Is we're just not seeing Dane Danger get into these games and and have the impact that I think some people expect him to have. Mike, do you attribute that to bad play by Danger? Do you attribute that more to just like a different direction Illinois is going? Uh, what are What are some of your thoughts on him so far this season?
2: yeah i think I think maybe they're just going with what what's been working for him so far i mean they they've been looking good, and it's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it um i I don't have any doubt that the coaches you know have any doubt in him necessarily. I think if he gets called on, he can definitely provide them with good solid minutes he's he's a fantastic athlete fantastic player so um i i i think I think they're just kind of sticking with what's been working for him so far and and I mean his minutes haven't been there but um, I I I think he's a great player, and I think if if need be, if his number gets called, he's definitely going to show up for him.
0: Yeah, and an, a, another uh, big man that you know didn't have the best game. I mean, he played 29 minutes in this one was Cliff Amorier. Uh He did mm-hmm. manage to pull down nine rebounds, but only seven points uh, on the defensive end. I will say outstanding eight blocks in this one yeah <laughs> that is obviously mm. going to be a huge piece but on the yeah. offensive end just not not really what you uh want from the really the best player on your team to be able to make this happen mm. justin you have any worries about cliff and and his offensive game going forward
1: i mean not really and i would say it's one of those things where just give it a little bit of time i think that he'll as they get into the league and he gets settled he'll be fine He's he's a guy who's proven that he can play at a high level already previously. So, you know, I would just chalk it up to Illinois is a bad matchup probably for him because there are mm-hmm. some guys who can kind of get out around him and and make him un- uncomfortable, where most other teams aren't going to have the big athletes that they can kind of surround him with and kind of make it complicated
0: yeah no i think that's i think that's a good point there so three for ten uh one for four and free throws that's that's a tough situation got to be better on the free throws there so all right guys hey that's all the games we had to bring up um if you guys have any you guys have anything else around college basketball you want to bring up before we get out of here
1: uh, not for me off the top of my head it was such a busy weekend with football <laughs> everything
0: else. <laughs> I, I did tweet out there i said uh because I, I watch multiple games, obviously, but I had mm. on my iPad next to me, I had Penn State and Bucknell, and I said something like, oh, conference championship games this week. <laughs> you know, I'm watching Penn State and Bucknell. Yeah. I, mean, I know Penn State would lose that one later yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> tough. <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough situation for Penn State so far. But uh, but as we get deeper into the season, we'll be sure to talk about every Big Ten game uh, with football going on right now. We'll have definitely more basketball episodes to get to this month with Bowl season season less big 10 football being played which means more big 10 basketball talk because it's only going to heat up more Mm. from there so uh justin thank you so much for coming on mike thank you so much for coming on like i said go visit these guys the bucky report for justin and scarlet shoot around for mike really appreciate you guys have a good one and thanks everybody for watching
2: yeah thanks